Here we go, They're seven seconds. Deep. Berkovici, he's just going to air it out deep downfield, and uh, no white shirts around. Oh, 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 it's gone. Gone. Gone for a touchdown. It doesn't get any better than What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. We are starting the NFC, and if you don't know what I mean by that, this is our NFL season predictions. Um, we went through all of the AFC, assuming you're listening to this in order. The AFC, very stacked conference. The NFC, not so much. But here we are. We're going to break it down. We're going uh, with the North first. We're going to go North, East, Southwest. This episode is North. And when I say we, I mean myself and my co-host for the day, Jackson Powers. Jackson, how are you? I'm uh, doing wonderful. I'm uh, coming off. Just went and grabbed some Chipotle with my friends, so I'm I'm fueled, reared and geared. I'm ready to go, ready to talk about the good old NFC North. All right, then let's get right into it. Uh, who do you have at the bottom of the NFC North? Finishing fourth place in the NFC North, I have got the Minnesota Vikings with a record of 5-12, and 12, and I do think that that record is a little bit too harsh for how I actually think that they're going to fare as a team this season. Um, But I really don't see them being too successful at all. Starting off with the offense, Kirk Cousins is solid. He looked a little bit more aggressive last year. And I think with what's around him, he can succeed to a certain extent. Um, Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league. Jordan Addison was a guy that I scouted pretty heavily this year. And my takeaway with him was, He's never going to be a number one receiving option on a team, but if you can let him be behind a guy like Justin Jefferson or had a couple other comps, um, a couple other guys that he could fit in well with, he would be a really crafty number two. Um, and so the Vikings were a team that I really highlighted. This team could use Jordan Addison, and they went out and grabbed him. So I really do like the fit here. And then obviously T.J. Hawkinson looked really good in his little stint with the Vikings towards the back end of the season last year. Um, The biggest change on this offense is we are no longer seeing any Dalvin Cook, uh, and that's probably for the best. I think that his best years are certainly behind him, and that is pretty clear when you look at the market for him right now. I really think that there's a large possibility that he's seen his last snaps in the game of football and maybe doesn't take on a second contract at all. Um, just because his ceiling is so low as a player right now. Um, But you do have the former Boise State legend Alexander Madison leading that backfield. I really like Addison, but I also like what's behind him in Ty Chandler. And Dwayne McBride out of UAB was another rookie that I really liked coming out of college. I bet he takes some pretty significant snaps. I think this is going to look a little bit more committee-esque, really, than Madison just taking on the, the lead role. Um, I think you're going to see a couple different guys get carries, and I kind of imagine that their their running game jumps up efficiency-wise this year, given that they don't have the old slow beast with Dalvin Cook behind that line. Um, and then looking at the offensive line, I think it's pretty rough, honestly. Darasaw is really good when he's healthy, but that's a really big if to expect him to be healthy this season. Ezra Cleveland, another Boise State graduate, is an all right option at the guard spot. Um, And then Bradbury and Ed Ingram are coming off two horrible years. Ingram had multiple sacks on the quarterback himself from getting pushed back into cousins and stepping on his foot and tripping him. I think that there is a really, really low floor with this group, especially on that right side of the line. 
Um, that's kind of where I think the biggest weakness of their offense is going to be. But the offense is really not my concern with this team. It's the other side of the ball. That defense looks really, really rough. Um, you've got Daniil Hunter is really the only consistent guy getting pressure. And right now he wants out. We'll see if the Vikings grant him that request or not. But man, if he's gone, where are you going to be getting pressure from? It's Marcus Davenport on the other side, who is coming off a really, really rough year with the Saints, a year that he was potentially supposed to break out and just kind of didn't. Um, and then Dean Lowry on the, other, on the other side, Harrison Phillips. It's it's rough. They're going to be one of the worst pass rushers in the entire league. Um, and then looking at the inside, you've got second-year guy Brian Astamoa out of Oklahoma and Jordan Hicks. Again, there's some serious projection that you're really hoping to make here, but I I really do not see the vision with this group. And then the secondary is not that much better. Um, Harrison Smith obviously has been great his whole career, but he's getting pretty old. Um, right now, Cameron Bynum is listed as the starter, but I do think that will be Lewis Seen. Um, that dude is really, really explosive. And before his gruesome season-ending injury last year, he was looking pretty solid. I kind of expect him to look not bad in year two, but Andrew Booth looked really rough last year. Byron Murphy, his best years are very clearly behind him. I, I don't feel good about really any unit on this secondary at all, besides maybe the safety group. Um, but this defense is going to be one of the worst in the league. And I kind of feel like until there's another quarterback option in the building. This team is just treading water right now. And a lot of times when you're treading water for a couple years at a time, you're going to start to sink. And I think that's the, the area that this team is in right now. So I, I just, I really don't see them being that competitive at all, even if they are better than their five and 12 record suggests. Interesting. Um, at the bottom, I have the Chicago bears. There was, it was quite the eventful off season for the bears. Um, they finished with the worst record in the league last year, had the number one pick. Obviously, they did not make that pick. They traded it with Carolina. And so there are a lot of new things to this roster. Um, all of it's really building around Justin Fields. Quarterback won their success this year and moving forward. Uh, how the franchise moves is dependent on how he plays. And I think I'm somewhere in the middle on Justin Fields. I think that he will continue to progress, but I'm not sure if we're in for like a, a huge breakout year kind of leap. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm generally a pretty, I'm a, I'm a fan of fields. I think he's a pretty solid player. Um, Definitely has more to get, show as a passer, but I think there's some people that are too hard on him. I think he's, there's reason to think that he can have success um, for a longer period of time. Uh, running backs. I really don't love the running backs around them, at least. Khalil Herbert and Deonta Foreman don't really do anything for me. I like Roshan Johnson. Um, he didn't get a ton of run or as much as you would think for someone as good at him as him because he was paired up with B. John Robinson at Texas. But I think that he can get some snaps. I think he'll take away some carries. The receivers, it's not a bad unit. As a matter of fact, it's a pretty solid one. Uh, Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool coming back. They acquired DJ Moore in the uh, trade for the number one overall pick. But I don't, none of those guys really like take the top off for me. Like I, I like DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is a good player. I think Darnell Mooney is a good role player. Uh, my issue is I'm just not sure how I feel about Chase Claypool at this point. Um, 
I keep saying, um, this is a bad start to the podcast. He, there's reason to believe in him. And you can, you know, if I'm talking to the right person, I can be sold on him. But he has struggled. And you think about the second round pick, basically a first round pick they gave up for him. I'm not sure what I'm getting out of him. And, and at that point, what what can you rely on him for? Tight end, uh, they have Cole Komet. Uh, who his career has been a little disappointing overall. He's had some useful moments, but nothing, you know, too incredible. They brought in Robert Tunyon from Green Bay. I'm not really not expecting much from him. He has not looked the same since his injury. Then the offensive line, uh, they drafted Darnell Wright uh, with their first round pick. He should slot in uh, early on the offensive tackle from Tennessee. They bring back a lot of their line. Cody Whitehair, pretty solid center. Uh, I mean, I don't really have a ton to say about the offensive line. The defense, I think, is taking some strides. They The pass rush, it doesn't do a ton for me. I don't think there's anyone really incredible there. But I like what they did on the interior uh, drafting uh, Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens in the second and third round. I think both those guys, both SEC players, that will be able to have an impact. The linebackers... TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, I actually like that duo. I think that's a solid, solid core there. They also drafted Noah Sewell in the fifth round, who didn't necessarily live up to certain college expectations, but he's a good athlete, someone that I could see kind of having that late bloom into the NFL. The DBs, I like some of it. I like Jalen Johnson. Uh, he's been pretty good to start his career. The safety duo of Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, definitely some playmaking to it. Eddie Jackson isn't necessarily your prototypical, or he's not not necessarily a lockdown guy, but he is capable of forcing turnovers, making plays. Then after that, it's interesting. You have Kyler Gordon from the 2022 class. We'll see what he can do moving forward. They drafted Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback. I'm kind of unsure about how I feel on him. And overall, when I, you look at this team, to me, I think they're very average. There's nothing really that super stands out to me. And I think they are going to be one of the teams that they're competitive in a lot of games. But I, I don't really see them doing much better than something like 6-11, and 11, maybe 7-10. and 10. I, don't, I don't think they're a legitimate playoff contender, but we'll see. It's a win. This season is a win if Justin Fields keeps on progressing, and they, you say that about a lot of things, and it's really a stupid cliche, but it is true, because if Justin Fields plays better, that means that you're on the right track, and it's a lot easier to win when you're like, yeah, this guy's a franchise quarterback. All right, so what was the what was the official record that you had the Bears at? I have the Bears at 6-11. Okay, so so I have the Bears at 6-11, too. Um, it's The difference is I have them finishing third in the division instead of fourth with that record. My thing, I, I think you and I disagree a lot of what the structure of this team is going to look like. I'm actually a lot higher on the offense than you are, I think, especially in Justin Fields. And I think we are going to see a breakout level year out of him. And my reasoning for that is a lot of these guys um, like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, a lot of the really athletic quarterbacks in the NFL right now didn't really have breakout seasons as passers until their team went out and got an established receiver. Um, in the Bills case, it was Josh Allen getting Stefan Diggs and Jalen Hurts really broke out this year when his team went out and traded for AJ Brown. I think this is going to be the case now that Justin Fields has DJ Moore. I think we're going to see a little bit more out of him as a pocket passer this year. 
obviously know that obviously we know that the athleticism is there with fields he's probably the best running quarterback in the league um and he had a lot of success with the deep ball last year but i think his ability to kind of break down and dink and dunk a defense is going to be heavily heavily improved this year with the acquisition of dj moore and then you mentioned it now that darnell darnell mooney and chase claypool are coming back this is not going to be a horrible group by any means um and I do think our opinions differ on the running back slot a little bit too. This is sort of my initial hard launching of the Khalil Herbert agenda. You're you're hearing it first on the Red Shirt podcast here. Uh, I think Khalil Herbert is going to take the most snaps of this running back group and be one of the most efficient running backs in the league. If you look at pretty much any efficiency metric last year, he was right up there in the top. He was number one in rush yards over expected per attempt last year above guys like Nick Chubb and Tony Pollard, who are very well known for being very efficient runners. Khalil Herbert was at the top of that metric. Um, He was also one of the only running backs who had a positive EPA per play last year. I'm very in on Khalil Herbert. And I think a lot of the reason that they let David Montgomery walk was they have a guy who they want to be taking their carries. Now, Khalil Herbert certainly has his issues. He's not a great pass catcher or blocker or anything like that and that's why they added a lot of other guys around him to kind of fill the areas that he can't but I think Khalil Herbert is going to lead this team in touches and is going to be incredibly incredibly efficient with the ball in his hands I also do like Cole Komet this year I think that he hasn't fully broken out yet but there's a lot of times you see it happen very late with tight ends and if we're going to see Justin Fields improve as a passer then that's definitely some stock I'd like to buy into um, I bet they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel with Robert Tunyon, especially given how strong their game is. The only issue with this offense to me is the offensive line still looks really, really bad. Obviously, they went out and spent the 10th overall pick on Darnell Wright, but I think it's very possible that he does not perform up to standard on his rookie year. He does have potential to be a really good run blocker in the future, I think, um, but I do not love his technique in the pass protection. He never really had to protect that outside shoulder at Tennessee because the offense was so centered around Hendon Hooker getting the ball out really, really quickly. Um, and so I don't think he's really tested in that area. And I think that there's going to be a lot of pretty intense low lights with him his rookie year. Uh, but I do think he has a really good athletic profile and was a good process project to pick at that point. Um, but I do think that the defense is still really bad, particularly the pass rush. Um Demarcus Walker, Travis Gibson, uh, rookie Gervin Dexter, Rasheem Green. I don't really see this group getting a lot of pressure. This this group was dead last in sacks last year. And while they may take a little bit of a jump in that area, I think they're going to be at least hovering towards the bottom of that. They obviously went out and heavily, heavily improved the linebacker core. Jack Sanborn played really well for them as a rookie last year, but they went out and spent big money on Tremaine Edmonds. Well, I'm not the biggest fan of, but is still a young and ascending player. And I would not be surprised if his best career years are with the Bears as opposed to the Bills. And then they also went and got Eagles linebacker TJ Edwards, who I really liked. So this linebacker core is definitely improved from last year. But the secondary, I'm still a little bit iffy on. You mentioned rookie cornerback Tyreek Stevenson. It's it's iffy if he's going to perform well year one. I didn't love him as a prospect. Tyler Gordon didn't really look great. Jalen Johnson, I think, is a solid option. Uh, but this secondary does scare me a little bit. And then Eddie Jackson is a good coverage safety, but 
as my friend Miller Football, who's a huge Bears fan, loves to put it, he's a walking business decision in the running game. He's really not going to go out there and make any tackles. And I think this could he he could be a big reason why this group has a pretty bad run defense. And then Jaquan Brisker is a solid option, but all in all, this defense is not really moving me. So I think that this group is going to look like a little bit improved of a version of last year. I think it's going to be a really, really explosive offense and explosive in a lot more ways this year besides Justin Fields just running. I think the overall rushing attack will improve, even though it was really good last year. And I really expect the passing attack to improve, but the defense is still not moving me. I think this is what's going to help them take the jump from one win last year to six on the year this year. So I have the Bears finishing at six and 11 with that as my rationale. Cool. And third for the NFC North, I have the Green Bay Packers coming in at a record of eight and nine. The Packers, obviously, every year there's change. Every team doesn't have the same 53. But uh, this is the first time in a long time that there is no Rodgers, Aaron on this roster. Rather, it is the Jordan Love era. And... It's kind of the first place you got to start. I mean, we all, I always start with the quarterback the way this format, but Jordan Love is one of the biggest question marks because he was drafted in 2020, which was kind of at this point forever ago, but he's only made a handful of appearances. We haven't seen him consistently playing meaningful football. So when we've seen him, he's definitely had some good moments. And, you know, but there's only so much that you can take from such a small sample size that a lot of it were in the dark. In general, I, I'm a Jordan Love truther to the point that I think he's going to be serviceable. It'll be playable. Like, I don't I don't see him being going out there and being atrocious, like more INTs than touchdowns kind of thing, where he's, like, totally unplayable, that they're going to have to, you know, get Sean Clifford to play. I think Jackson's a better option to play quarterback than Sean Clifford. But pretty good. It's, it's, it's hard to forecast with that and that makes it you know picking on the Packers kind of tough the running backs I still like that duo of Aaron Jones AJ Dillon I think that as time goes on I think the efficiency is going to go down a little bit like I, I like Aaron Jones as a player I think he's a good player I think AJ Dillon does a good job in the role that he's asked but with the way that this offense is changing adding some more young playmakers I think in general taking a step back at, with the offense as a whole, I think we are going to see some declining numbers. The receivers, Christian Watson, I'm a huge Christian Watson guy. I thoroughly believe that he will have a breakout season. He, you know, started off slow, but by the end of the year, he was looking like, okay, I get why they drafted this guy. He's big, he's fast, he makes plays. He, I think he's in for a really big year. After that, I don't love their wide receivers as much as some might. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, you know, I, I think he'll be a solid guy, but I don't think he's ever going to be anything more than, than just solid. They drafted Jaden Reed in the second round, and I, I don't really see it. I think the second round value there, I don't love. Uh, the headlines are like, you know, he's, he's doing well in training camp, which is cool and all, but I don't, I don't really buy into any of that kind of stuff. I, if he plays well, it plays well. I'll own that. I just I didn't really see it from him in college. And then after that, there's really not a ton of receiver depth. But what they do have in terms of pass catching is their tight ends, which they let uh Robert Tunyon go. But what they brought in 
Luke Musgrave in the second round out of Oregon State, one of the best tight end prospects in a pretty good tight end class. Um, obviously, the big names, Dalton Kincaid and Michael Meyer, are the ones that you probably heard a lot about in the pre-draft process. Luke Musgrave was very good at Oregon State. His stats might not look incredible, but that's with inconsistent play, dealing with injuries. Luke Musgrave is going to be very good, but not to be slept on. They used a third-round pick on Tucker Craft, who... Uh, Jesus, I cannot speak. South Dakota State, another guy that I think is going to have an instant impact. They, With the wide receivers that they have, I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end. And yes, they're young. There's definitely going to be some struggles. But overall, I think that's what this offense is going to be about. I think it's going to be a lot of two tight end. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to think about this team without Aaron Rodgers. The offensive line, obviously, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, that's kind of that other side. After that, it's kind of a little piece together. It'll be interesting to see how they can work that together, but that left side, never an issue. The defense, I think the defense is still pretty solid. It's not, I don't know if I'd put it up as one of the best, but the defensive line, Kenny Clark has been a staying force. Devontae Wyatt is a guy going into a second year who needs to take a step up. And if he is able to improve upon his rookie season, that will be absolutely huge for the future of this team. They drafted Colby Wooden out of Auburn. Uh, and obviously they spent their first round pick on Lucas Van Ness. While they, they do still have Preston Smith under contract, he is obviously getting older, however. And Van Ness is a guy who might not play the majority of snaps to begin or might and if he does, might struggle a little bit because he is um, a little raw in the sense that he didn't even get that much playing time at Iowa. But I like the rationale of that pick. I think he can develop into a good player. It's just a matter of if he has an impact this year. Uh, and Rashawn Gary coming back from his injury, hopefully he returns to form because prior to being hurt, he was fantastic, looked like you know all pro caliber kind of stuff. Their stand-up linebackers, uh, Devondre Campbell has been a pretty good player for them the last few years, but it'll, you know, he's a guy as he ages, it'll be interesting to see what that has to do. Similar to Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker going into year two, definitely had a weird rookie year. And I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect from Quay Walker. Me personally, I'm not necessarily putting a ton of stock into him, but I'm also not counting him out. The DBs, Jair Alexander, absolute dog. Um, Rasul Douglas has been pretty solid for them the last couple years, but you know, the, at once you get past Jair in the secondary, it kind of is it, it falls off a good bit. Darnell Savage has had some ups and downs throughout his career, and we've seen him make plays. He's shown that he's capable of being a good player, but he needs to kind of 2023, he needs to put it all together. We need to see that full version of him. Um after that, Keyshawn Nixon and Rudy Ford aren't necessarily guys that you want getting consistent snaps out there. Eric Stokes, the former first-rounder as well, he's another one to look out for. I Overall, I think this is an okay roster. I could buy – you could sell me on them winning the division. You could sell me on them being in last, and I think a lot of that just has to do with how you feel about Jordan Love, which – I find myself somewhere in the middle, so I have the Packers somewhere in the middle with a record of eight and nine. All right, yeah, I uh, I think I I think you and I are pretty in line in terms of our, 
in terms of our analysis with this team. I've got the Packers going seven and ten, which is good for second in the division for me. Um, and I do agree with you. I am in on Jordan Love, I think, to a certain extent. Uh, he's had very limited time as a quarterback in this league so far. Uh, but what we've seen from him so far, I think I like. He's making throws with anticipation, and uh, he showed a lot of wanting to test the one-on-one deep with Devontae Adams when he was playing against the Chiefs. And if you don't recall, that was the game where Aaron Rodgers lied about his COVID vaccination, where he we we realized he was only immunized instead of vaccinated, and he was suspended for a game. Uh, that's when Jordan Love came in, and I think he looked pretty good against the Chiefs. He got some limited time against the Eagles last year, I believe, um, and he was hitting pro-level throws up the seam. Um, seeing a full-season sample size out of him I think is going to be very interesting, but I'm buying the idea of Jordan Love. I also really like Aaron Jones. I understand that he is going into his age 28 season, but he has a lot less tread on his tires than a lot of the guys that are his age right now that are seemingly declining i.e. Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'm He's one of the few guys at this age that I would buy stock in performing pretty well. I think Aaron Jones is going to have a really good season. Um, and this receiving core has promise, but it's really, really young right now. Christian Watson looked really, really sweet towards the back end of last year. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, I think, can make the jump as a solid number two behind Watson potentially. And I agree with you, Jeremy, in the sense that I did not love the second round pick spent on Jaden Reed, uh, but I'm not too, too familiar with his game. So we can take that with a grain of salt a little bit. And then the tight end room, again, young with a lot of promise. Tucker Craft, I really liked. Luke Musgrave, the Oregon State product, I really liked. Josiah DeGuara is not a horrible, horrible option. Um, but there's there's a lot of youth in this group right now, and I don't think they're going to produce Im- immediately, especially with first-year starter Jordan Love. Um, but, you know, I would not be surprised if this is one of the better groups in the league in a couple years. And the left side of this offensive line, I like a lot more than the right side. David Bakhtiari, obviously, he's getting up there in age, but he's still been performing pretty well when he's healthy. Same thing with Elkton Jenkins. Josh Myers is a pretty solid center option. Um, but John Runyon and Rosh Nijman, I think is how you say it. Um, those aren't moving the needle for me. Maybe we're going to see Zach Tom out of Wake Forest get a year two start at the right tackle spot. Um, but that right side of the line concerns me a little bit. Uh, other than that, I feel decent about this offense. Moving on to the defense, I think that the front seven has a lot of promise, right? Kenny Clark, Preston Smith. Rashawn Gary, you said it last year, looked like a potential all-pro guy last year. He's one of the best speed-to-power guys in the league. If he can return to form, you're getting a really great player out of him. Um, They spent their first rounder on Lucas Van Ness this year out of Iowa. I don't think he's going to contribute a lot year one, uh, but I do think he has a promising future. He was a guy where I thought he's going to fall a lot lower in the draft than a lot of people may think right now. Um, But if one team is going to reach on them, it would be the Green Bay Packers. And what do you know, at pick 13, they they jumped up and they grabbed Lucas Van Ness. Um, And I think it makes a lot of sense for them. They're very known for taking guys who have high-end athleticism and big speed and power combos. Lucas Van Ness fits that bill perfectly, and they've they've transformed a lot of guys, Rashawn Gary being one of them. Um, If you can turn Lucas Van Ness into a hybrid kick-in, kick-out kind of guy— um, and he's getting the production that you predict out of him, then he he could be a beast in future years. I just don't think that's coming in year one. Um, and then you kind of mentioned earlier, Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker going into year two. 
Both of them had pretty lackluster rookie seasons, particularly Devontae Wyatt. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of production that they take on in year two. And then Devondre Campbell's coming off a little bit of an off year, but he's very valuable off ball for this team. Um, and and I am I'm kind of in on him right now. Uh, I do think that he's smooth enough in coverage to make to have a little bit of a bounce back year. Um, and then onto the secondary, Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes. Alexander's obviously one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And you've had your your issues with Douglas and Stokes, but I do think they make up a pretty solid cornerback trio, um, especially with Darnell Savage at the safety spot, along with Jonathan Owens. I, I like this group. I think that there's there's a lot of potential here, um, but it, it's a very high ceiling, low floor type of team to me. So, and and that kind of goes for both the offense and the defense. So I don't really know where to project them. I'm kind of throwing them somewhere in the middle. Um, but I, I really would not be too shocked if this, this team slid into the back end of the playoff. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a wildcard team. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I've got about Green Bay. Fair enough. In second place for me, with a record of nine and eight sneaking in for the last playoff spot, I have the Minnesota Vikings and I don't love this. In terms of, I think if they were in the AFC, they wouldn't sniff the playoffs. But the way that the NFC kind of shook out when I was kind of breaking it down, I have them in the playoffs less because I love them, more so because I hate them less than others. And I generally agree with everything you have to say about them. It's just, I think I'm buying even more into that offense. I see no reason why the offense won't continue to be pretty dang good. Kirk Cousins, for all of his shortcomings, he's probably not a Super Bowl caliber caliber quarterback, but he's more than serviceable. He's fine. He can get the job done at running back. I don't know if I'd go as far to say it's an upgrade, but it's certainly, I don't think the production is going to be any worse because of Alexander Madison every single time. You know, when he was asked to have a larger role, when Cook was out, he thrived. Um, As well as that, I think they have a number of uh, high upside Secondary, Jesus, secondary running backs. Uh, they drafted Dwayne McBride out of UAB in, I believe, the seventh round. Um, Kanan Wongwu, someone that maybe is a little bit off the beaten path, off the radar to most people. Uh, he has been very productive, mainly as a kick returner. He has very limited experience with actual carries, but you never know. I think he's someone that might emerge, get a couple carries here and there. The receiving group as a whole. Maybe it doesn't, you know, knock your socks off, but Justin Jefferson is just so good. I was, uh, I did. Are you watching Quarterback, the Netflix show? I have not yet, uh, but I've, but I've heard some really good things about it. See, so I started it the other day, and so I guess that I have some insight into Kirk Cousins. Most of it's supposed to be about Kirk Cousins, but they were showing the, they were reliving the Bills. Vikings game and the thing that just continues to play over and over in my head is that fourth and 18 catch that Justin Jefferson made that's the best catch I've ever seen in football um in a in a live football game Odell Beckham's was obviously incredible that was so fantastic so clutch Justin Jefferson I'm not in the business of ranking receivers I don't like I don't like doing these kind of rankings because it's I like calling them all good because they're all good Justin Jefferson is awesome he is a different level 
Jordan Addison, I don't love Jordan Addison where he was taken because of what you were saying. I think the upside is pretty limited. But with that being said, he can be a productive secondary receiver. And that kind of works out when you also have a tight end that can get a lot of targets. TJ Hawkinson, a full year as a Viking. I think he'll continue to produce. The line is, you know, the line is the line. Darisaw, you know, he needs to stay healthy. That's going to be really important. Uh, Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, it's, I don't, I'm not all in on this line. I don't think it's fantastic, but I also don't think, I think when you have a piece like Justin Jefferson, when you have some of the infrastructure of that offense where you have several different playmakers you can go to, I think they can be fine without this offensive line being incredible. If this offensive line totally collapses, then it's a different story. Then I might be more with Jackson on them winning five games because Kirk Cousins isn't the kind of improviser to or have the athleticism to really get it done if his offensive line is totally failing. The defense, so so the main point of that is I really like this offense. I don't know if I can get that, that across. Mainly it stems from Justin Jefferson, and I like Kirk Cousins a little more than other people do. I like this offense. Defense, I feel defense is bad. Like you said, in terms of pass rush, it's Daniil Hunter who seems to not want to be a Viking anymore. And then really nobody. On the depth chart, you have Dean Lowry. Uh, and after that, there's just no one that even – not even just moves the needle. That even makes me think, wow, this guy is a starting caliber player in the NFL. The linebackers, there's some more intrigue there in terms of age. Brian Asamoa. They brought in uh, Jordan Hicks from Arizona. They have a bunch of different young guys. Troy Dye, a couple years into the league, hasn't really gotten meaningful snaps. But again, there you can at least project some upside versus the defensive line. I, I really don't see it as much. Uh, Mark, I guess Marcus Davenport, someone that's interesting to look at that I suppose I'd be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't go over. Former first-round pick, kind of just never really got the breakout we were looking for with the Saints. It could be coming. I like get, you know putting a gamble on him, but when he is probably when you're almost relying on him in order for your defense to have a successful season, that is not ideal. DBs, Harrison Smith, he's been a stalwart. He's been there forever. He's still a good player. You know, obviously lost a step. Not, not necessarily someone you want to be anchoring your defense these days. And then the corners, there's a lot of young upside and not a lot of proven. Byron Murphy from Arizona, he's the closest to proven, but that more so just has to do with him being in the league. He's still young. He's only 25, but it's not like he's not someone that you want to be going into the year, probably your cornerback one. They drafted Makai Blackman in the first round, or not first round, rather third round. He could get some playing time. Uh, Cameron Bynum at free safety. Um, a Caleb Williams. They have a lot of different young guys. You mentioned uh, Lewis Sign, Andrew Booth coming off of an awful, you know, a, a, a trying first year. There are a lot of options. There are names. So I think they have a chance for to slightly exceed expectations in the with the DBs, but I think that speaks more to having pretty low expectations. So all in all, Jackson and I, re I think we – have almost the exact same thought process on this team. I'm more so just when you're looking at what the NFC to me, 
I'm rolling with what I think is their offensive success, which I think is kind of a safe pick. I think the offense, maybe it won't be as good as I'm quite saying, but if you're going to make me pick an AFC or rather an NFC team to sneak into the playoffs, and when I'm breaking down the teams, I'm looking for a game changer. And what I see with this team is I see Justin Jefferson and I see some other solid playmakers around him that can keep this offense afloat. So I have them nine and eight, just sneaking into the playoffs. All right. Yeah. And, and I agree with what you said at the end there. Like, I do think that our analysis is pretty similar for at least most of these teams. The difference is like, this is one of the, this is one of the worst divisions in football right now. Um, And giving a little, like, two to three games difference I don't think means that much in the grand scheme of things but we'll see how much higher you are on this division division winner than I am because I do believe that you and I have the exact same team winning the division I just believe that I'm lower on them than most people I have them at nine and eight where you had the Minnesota Vikings um, and this team that I'm talking about is the Detroit Lions Starting off with the offense, I don't think it's going to be that much different than it was last year, especially considering that you kept Ben Johnson, who was an offensive coordinator that I thought I thought for sure would be taking on a head coaching role this offseason, but they managed to keep him. We'll see how long that lasts, because I do think that his his time as a head coach is coming pretty quickly. Um, Jared Goff under center is nothing special to me. He's someone that can thrive in a good offensive scheme and system around him but he's not moving the needle on his own. He's not really a creator outside of structure, um, but in, in a solid structure, he can definitely put up numbers for you. Um, the only real difference in, in how this offense is going to operate is the personnel, because there's certainly a lot of personnel changes, but I really don't think the structure is going to look that different. Moving off of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, this team is moving towards the one-two punch of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Uh, and I think they they had a reason for that. They, the Lions ask a lot out of the running back position. I think that they value that position analytically a lot more than everyone else in the league right now. Um, and, you know, the big news today when Jeremy and I are recording this on the 17th is how many franchise tags running backs did not end up getting long-term deals and it's kind of signaling the death of the running back second contract. The Lions were one of the only teams to do that this year and give out big money to a second contract running back, and that's David Montgomery. I think one of the biggest reasons that they gave him that kind of money is he's efficient between the tackles, but he's also a great pass blocker. The Lions ask a ton out of their running backs as a pass blocker. David Montgomery is one of the best in the league in that regard, um, and I think he offers a little bit more than jamal williams as the blocker i think that that's something that they were really looking for and making that trade i think is going to be beneficial for them um and then replacing swift with jameer gibbs is also some of the same logic but i do think one of their issues with swift was he was not a very natural runner right he has some of the most talent at the running back position in the entire league but his vision and his ability to move between the tackles is really poor and it has been for the entirety of his time in the league i think they're hoping they can get a little bit more out of that in jameer gibbs and while i really did not agree with that pick i thought it was one of the first in the entire one of the worst in the entire draft excuse me um i i can see what they want out of gibbs right there uh moving on to the receiving core i think you're going to expect a lot out of amon ross st brown 
Uh, I think he is going to have a ton of production early on, especially with the suspension of former Alabama standout receiver Jamison Williams. We'll see how he looks year two when he's back off of that. But personally, my expectations are a little bit low, especially coming off that pretty intense ACL tear uh, in the college football playoff two years ago. But I think it's going to be all Amon Ross St. Brown pretty much in, in that first part of the season. I think he's going to put up big, big numbers and be one of the early contenders for the receiving the receiving crown. Um, behind him is Marvin Jones Jr., Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond. Those guys don't really move the needle for me. Um, and at the tight end spot, I think it's going to be rookie Sam Laporta out of Iowa, if I'm not wrong. Iowa, if you are not aware, is known for being tight end university. And I really liked Laporta. I thought he was going to be a riser in this draft, which he was. Um, he is so good after the catch and I think compliments Amonra really well. It's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking short for Jared Goff, a lot of play action and getting the ball to these dynamic weapons, letting them make plays with the ball in their hands. Um, and I think that's where you're going to see the success of this offense. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have a lot of pass catching opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes on kind of a Debo role. Um, but I think that's what Jared Goff is going to be surviving with uh, in this first, especially half of the season with Jameson Williams not there. Um, and then onto the offensive line, it's definitely one of the better groups in the league. Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, they have a lot of just pure anchors on that line right now. Uh, Taylor Decker, and then I am not going to try and pronounce the name of their right guard right now, but they've got solid depth. Say, say it again. Big VT? V. Yeah, Big V. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to try and pronounce it. Um, I'm not too familiar with this game, but I do like the depth behind them. Jermaine Fetty, Graham Glasgow. Um, I think that's a solid offensive line group right there. And then moving on to the defense, you're hoping for a lot of different jumps in this group right now. Aiden Hutchinson uh, was one of the rookie of the year contenders last year. I think that his production last season was a little bit fraudulent, especially the interceptions he managed to put up because a lot of people are treating him like he can play this kind of Leo role as like a pseudo off-ball linebacker and pass rusher at the same time. And that's just not true. Um, and I do think that there was a lot of issues with his pass rush that would end up netting sacks. Um, so I do think we are in for a bigger year two out of him, but I, I don't think his rookie year was quite what people were in on. Uh, James Houston, the sixth rounder last year, I was a lot more enamored with him as a pass rusher. He has the bend and the hand fighting that Hutchinson doesn't really have right now. Uh, but the, his his defect is he's not really going to be in on running downs. He's not someone who's big enough to set the edge and really blow up a backfield. Um, but he is going to be a very productive pass rusher when he's on the field. Uh, on that interior, I really liked Levi Muzurike, but two years into his career, I think we can sort of rule it out at this point. I, I don't think we're really expecting much out of him right now. Um, and then looking at the inside linebackers, Alex Anzalone was all right. I guess, for the Saints. Uh, Jack Campbell, who they spent a first-round pick on, one of the other worst picks of the entire draft. I really did not love what the Lions did this year. Campbell out of Iowa is... I, I really don't think that he warranted a first-round pick. He is good at blowing up a run, getting downhill. He makes some flashy plays in coverage, but his sideline-to-sideline -side range is was one of the worst in the class this year. And I think if you are spending a first rounder on that limited assignment. That's, that's really bad analytical value to me. So I, so I don't love what they did there. Um, but looking at the secondary, I 
think that there is a lot of room for explosiveness. I think Brian Branch is probably going to be the nickel cornerback. I loved him out of Alabama. I think he can be sort of a smaller Kyle Hamilton type of player. And if you listen to the AFC North episode, Jerry and I, Jeremy and I were both very high on Kyle Hamilton. Um, and if Brian Branch can be a little bit of a light version of that, I think that's big. They also got C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Eagles this year. Big hitter, um, solid box safety. I like what he has to offer. And then you have Kirby Joseph and Tracy Walker, who are going to be probably playing up a little bit more. But Cameron Sutton, I think I, I am a little bit worried with him making the transition to an outside cornerback, if that's what he's doing this year. Um, I, I think he is a solid nickel or dime option. I don't love him on his own on the left side. And then Emmanuel Mosley, the former Niner, solid, but again, like there's definitely room for concern right there. I don't think the secondary is really getting the job done for me. Um, and there's certainly enough of a floor falling, I guess, on the front seven that this is definitely a group that can spark some concern. So I have the Lions winning this division, going to the playoffs, uh, but I don't think they're really going to make any noise once they're in there. Um, finishing nine and eight, obviously winning your division with a sub double digit record is not the most impressive thing in the world, but I do think that this team will be seeing some playing time in January. Well, I believe they will be playing in January regardless, but not, not the point. I also have the Lions winning the division. Oh, and Jeremy. Same, same idea. I mean, this is kind of the case with all of this division. We have the same ideas, just slightly different value to them. I have the... Lions with a record of 10 and 7, obviously making the playoffs. The offense is, I, I really feel like I don't even need to talk about this because I think everything I'm going to say is just about the same as you. The offense is going to be very similar to last year. I think there might be a little bump up because I actually think uh, the David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs tandem may be an improvement over what they had last year. Obviously, Jamal Williams was racking up the touches and the touchdowns, but I think they made the right decision letting him go in terms of he probably isn't worth big-time money when he's not the most efficient runner. Uh, it's a lot easier. Obviously, there's skill to him scoring those touchdowns, obviously, but I think money-wise, I like the way that they trended towards David Montgomery. Granted, I, I believe it's a three-year deal for Montgomery. The, the value of the running back contracts is always speculative, but I see the vision there. Gibbs... As a first-round pick, I don't love Gibbs fitting into this offense and being a solid player. I like that. I think that he is going to be able to make plays, whether that be in the running game, if you uh, slide him out wide, get the ball in his hands, get it in space, he'll make some plays for you. The receivers, it's Amon Ross, St. Brown, and after that, I mean, Marvin Jones Jr. is good for a couple plays, but jo Josh Reynolds really doesn't excite you Khalif Raymond not much they didn't really spend any draft capital on receivers they did sp spend draft capital at tight end though Sam Laporta although I think you know the order in which tight ends were taken you know was iffy and maybe could have went someone else where they took Laporta I'm a big Sam Laporta guy um for those who have uh enjoyed my content for a long time and paid very 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 specific uh attention I was gushing over Sam Laporta in last year's Big Ten prediction preseason preview. I was like, please, man, he just give him a quarterback when he's had 
when you watch him, you're like, wow, that's clearly the best player on this offense. He just never had a quarterback. And when I say never had a quarterback, I mean, I mean, like awful, impressively bad. So it'll be interesting with Jared Goff, who you said it well, Jared Goff in a system like this with a good coordinator, he can get the job done. He has really found his stride in Detroit. When he was first traded there, I didn't know you know, how long he'd be there. It felt like he was probably just a placeholder for them to take a guy like Bryce Young. I think everyone kind of foresaw that. But he's done his job. He's been He's been perfectly adequate. He'll continue to do that. I don't see a reason he wouldn't. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Hendon Hooker, so I suppose they did draft a quarterback. That really didn't make any sense to me for a team like the Lions drafting an older quarterback. In the third round, I think those middle rounds are pretty bad value for quarterbacks, especially in this case, but whatever, they do as they please. So I think the offense is solid, if not unspectacular. Similar to the defense. Aiden Hutchinson, I agree with everything you said. I think he had a productive rookie year. He had a good rookie year. But interceptions, in the case of a player like him, really are they're not meaningless because they had value there. It's just when you're projecting them, they don't necessarily indicate his his skills and coverage. So I with that being said, I believe that he'll continue to get better and better. I think he can be a real impact edge rusher. Uh James Houston, another guy. They really they nailed that 2022 class. He was a guy taken sixth round, was able to make plays. The interior, you know, Aleem McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, nothing. Super exciting. The stand-up linebackers. Alex Anzalone is just inevitable. I feel like he just has 20 tackles every single game you watch him. Not a spectacular player, but fills a need, whatever, so be it. Malcolm Rodriguez had had a exciting, I, I suppose exciting is not the word, intriguing, um, surprising rookie year. Another guy drafted in the sixth round. And then they took Jack Campbell in the first round. And... I will preface this by saying I do not think he was worth the first rounder. I think they probably reached on that. But I like Jack Campbell. I think that he he's not your average. He's not a guy that's ever going to be one of the best in the league. That's not his thing. You mentioned he's really not a sideline-to-sideline player like that. He's an instinctual player. He makes tackles. He's able to clog up lanes. Um, I think he's a guy that you like having on your defense. Maybe the value wasn't there to take him in the first round, but I think he will be a productive player. He fits that mold of that Dan. Like like when I think of Dan Campbell players, I feel like Jack Campbell is up there for perfectly encapsulates it. So does he have some flaws? Was the value there first round? Probably not. I do like Jack Campbell though. The DBs, I, you know, I'll start by saying Brian Branch was, I don't know how he didn't go in the first round. To me, he was a top 10 player in this class, positional value taken out. He makes plays, and I understand safety. I understand why a safety wouldn't go 10 like him. I understand he's a little undersized, doesn't necessarily fly off the charts with his speed. You watch him, he can do everything. You can play him high. You can play him in the box. I mean, you could probably line him up at corner, and he would make plays. He just has a knack for finding the ball. He packs a punch with his hits. There's just, to me, I think there's nothing this guy can't do in this system. They can, you know, if they choose to play him more in a uh, 
in a Jamal Adams kind of role, having him play up, he can do that. I genuinely think play him wherever he is going to make plays. The ball is going to find him. If I was a receiver, tight end, running back, I would not want to find him because he will, you know, lay a hit. So that being said, after that, I'm very much uncertain about the DBs. Emmanuel Mosley is probably your safest bet, and he's, he's fine. The safeties, it feels like Tracy Walker has always been susceptible to big plays. Kirby Joseph doesn't do a ton. Uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson is the one that really stands out. He was a good addition. I think he, he'll he fit in well there. So with all of that being said, in, in your average division, I'm probably not taking the Lions to win. But in this situation, I think to me, the Lions are the best team in this division. And I think that they're a pretty solid roster. I think the their ceiling is pretty capped. I don't think the, the way that they're constructed, they're going to go on one of those crazy Super Bowl runs. But they deserve their respect in this division. I have the Detroit Lions. 10-7, and seven, making playoffs. Congratulations, Detroit. Um, so so yeah. just a just a one game difference there in our yeah, exactly. So with all of, that, of the, the records were slightly off, but I don't think there was anything we we drastically disagreed on. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that we two through four we had different, correct? It's true. Yeah, yeah, because mine was so my two through four was Packers, Bears, Vikings in that order. And mine was Vikings, Packers, Bears. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That'll do it. So now we'll all be- right. Do a little, little superlatives, little individual awards. Kick us off, Jackson. I think I think this is where you and I are going to differ with the MVP. I have got Justin Fields. I think I'm anticipating a little bit more of a breakout here than you are. We saw what the athleticism can create for the offense last year. That's not leaving anytime soon with Fields. And I think as a pocket passer, he has only room to go to go up. Um, needs to improve a little bit with the quip game and moving through his reads a little bit. And I think adding a guy like DJ Moore uh, does nothing but help that. So I'm anticipating a very similar year for Fields on the ground, but a big jump in his abilities as a pocket passer. Um, So that's where I'm going MVP with Justin Fields. And, you know, I could be as big of a Justin Fields guy out there. And maybe if I was that big, this would change my pick. Taking Justin Jefferson. He, mm. I don't even know if I really I should have, I should have thought of that one. Honestly, that might be, I, I think I stuck a little bit too hard to the quarterbacks win MVP philosophy. See, that's but, what in for the AFC. I had three out of four MVPs as quarterbacks and that's how it goes. Quarterbacks drive the position. I might, but if, I, if I mean, you'll, I'm, if I'm you'll allow it, Justin Jefferson. If you'll allow it, I might switch my pick, copy you, and make Justin Fields my most improved player. Okay, I can I can stricken that from the record. All right, cool, cool. We'll uh we'll just forget the last two minutes ever happened. All right, um my oh did you have a little bit more explaining to do no. with Jefferson or my okay cool uh my rookie of the year is another Vikings receiver Jordan Addison. Uh, I do think he is going to fill the complimentary wide receiver two role with the Vikings pretty well. Um, I don't think him and Jefferson are going to be quite doing the exact same things. I expect Jefferson to be getting a lot more time at X or potentially Z while you're going to see a lot more of Addison inside the slot. Um, And I think Addison's going to be working over the middle a little bit more, maybe not getting as much deep reps as, as Jefferson is, but I think he's going to be a solid safety blanket for Kirk Cousins when when Jefferson and Hawk aren't there. 
I don't think a thousand yards is quite where I'd project him this year. Um, but between eight and nine hundred would make a lot of sense to me. So I think Addison's going to produce pretty well as a rookie. So my rookie of the year, this is another one where you just heard me talk about them. It's Brian Branch. I love everything about Brian Branch. He will immediately be one of the best safeties and impact player in the sport. He might, I might, he might already be the best defensive player on the Lions, and that's not because the Lions ne- don't necessarily have some good players. That's just how high I am on Brian Branch. All right. My uh, most improved player, I, I kind of already talked about this, so I'm not going to give too much analysis, is Justin Fields. I think he's going to be, he's going to have a career year as a pocket passer. So, yeah. Christian Watson, I am all in on. Oh, that's a good one. He doesn't have a bona fide Hall of Fame right quarterback anymore, but with the fact that I think Jordan Love is going to, you know, be competent, Christian Watson is in for a huge year. The first half of last year, he looked, you know, he didn't look the part at all. The second half, if you, you know, if you had never watched football before, you would think that he was one of the best in the sport. Uh, Christian Watson, I think he's going to put a year long of consistent production. All right. Um, my biggest surprise, another Packer, is Jordan Love. Uh, I think that there are there's a lot of confusion around his name right now because this is his fourth year in the league, and we really haven't seen too many real game reps out of him. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of people who are not betting on Jordan Love. I tend to go a little bit on the other side of the spectrum where I am I'm in on Jordan Love. I don't think he's going to be any kind of MVP candidate or anything with the Packers. Uh, but I do think he is going to have a positive year from the standpoint of what people are thinking about him right now. My biggest surprise, and I've gone kind of weird on some of these. I, biggest surprise, I've really gone off the deep end for in the AFC so far, so I'll continue that. I'll say Kine and Wongwu running back slash kick returner for the Minnesota Vikings. He, again, he has 22 career carries, but when you're losing Dalvin Cook, who is really a true uh, bell cow running back, even though Madison has has shown flashes of being pretty good, Dalvin Cook really dominated the touches. So someone, even with Madison stepping up, there are going to be some more touches to be had. And He's a an explosive kick return. He has three kick return touchdowns in two seasons. I'm not like I'm not even gonna give any sort of stat prediction for him or necessarily say that he has this big emergence, but I think that he'll get find a way to get more touches, have, you know, maybe score a touchdown or two on offense. All right. My biggest letdown. Um which is weird, even though I had them winning the division, my biggest letdown is the Detroit Lions. And I think that's because, you know, a couple of years ago when they shipped off Matt Stafford, it was this kind of slow grinding rebuild where they were sort of building the supporting groups from the ground up. Um, they've done a lot of work adding guys at the receiver position, building up the offensive line, building up the defense, et cetera. And it looked like their blueprint was going to be kind of get that in order and then add a rookie quarterback. Um, and they've sort of deviated from that a little bit. And I think that this offseason and this draft in particular makes me think that like we're in the final stages of that timeline. And I think they're going to come up just short of like what people's expectations of them were. Um, and I don't think I also think that there's a lot of people who are like really high on Jared Goff, really high on this team in general as like a 12 or 13 win group. 
I don't think they're quite going to achieve that. So I think they, even though they're going to be winning the division and seeing the playoffs, I have them as my biggest letdown. Fair enough. Uh, my biggest letdown, and I, again, I'd like to preface this. I believe I had similar rationale when we were finishing the AFC with the AFC West when I was talking about Isaiah Pacheco. Um, I have Aaron Jones here. And again, not because I don't think he's good, not because I don't think he's a productive, solid player. I just think he'll be a letdown in the sense that he's not going to have the stats on a stat sheet that he has the last couple years. I think that's just going to, you know, slightly decrease with kind of just some new personnel setting up in that offense. There's obviously going to be a lot of change when you don't have 12 under center anymore. So that's Aaron Jones. And again, I I really want to preface, I don't think it's that he's going to struggle immensely. It's just slightly less on the stat sheet. And that is the NFC North. Do you have anything to add? I do not. I think that this is one of the lower end divisions in football right now. So I think things are really competitive. This is like one of the divisions where I could really see things blowing up in our face in terms of our rankings. But other than that, not too much. Yeah, um, I agree wholeheartedly. So let's see. Jackson powers the plugs. TikTok and Twitter, NFL. The nope. YouTube is Jackson Powers. Check out all that, of his stuff. That'll do it. Me, the redshirt.blog, or the redshirt.wixsite backslash home. That's for all the blogs. Obviously, you're listening to the Redshirt Podcast on Spotify. Uh, if you want updates on when there are new blogs, when there are new podcasts, check out the Instagram at the.redshirt, as well as the Twitter at the Redshirt blog. And that'll just about conclude this episode of the Redshirt Podcast. Thank you guys for listening.